Hey, folks, it's a Sunday. That means it's time to jump into the Ben Shapiro Show mailbag. Reminder, you actually have to be a subscriber over at dailywireplus.com in order to have your question answered in the mailbag. Jeremy says, I went on two dates with this girl. Our values seem to line up. We're both spouse-seeking conservative and Christian. She's Catholic. I'm Protestant. We disagreed on the subject of gay marriage. I said my attendance at a wedding means I'm bearing witness and giving approval to the union. I couldn't do that for a gay wedding, even for a beloved family member. She explained why she would attend and would obviously want her future husband to attend. On the other side, I'd want my wife to agree with me on such a fundamental and difficult subject. We amicably decided to end the courting process, since for both of us, this feels like a pretty fundamental disagreement. Unwise to pursue the relationship further. Am I being too strict in my application of biblical principles here? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, if you're asking whether I would attend a same-sex wedding, I've said publicly I would not. I also would not attend an intermarriage, right? There's like a lot of things that I, I would not attend. Um, as far as whether it is important enough for you not to get married over it, I mean, obviously it's important to you. Honestly, I would think that the the more important thing, it, it feels like the Catholic-Protestant divide is a fairly real divide. And so, you know, again, I, I tend to be a person who believes that the most durable marriages are ones in which people share their religious precepts. There's some pretty fundamental divides between Catholics and Protestants is my understanding. Again, I'm no Christian, but... That seems like a thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, my, my feeling is that as many factors should line up as humanly possible before you marry somebody. Aaron says, hey, Ben, I'm a young Army officer and West Point grad. I majored in economics. I'm soon to transition out of active duty service. I'm debating whether to pursue an MBA or to enter corporate America and begin working in a civilian career immediately. After a few years in the workforce, I would then pursue further education. With the state of the economy in the world, would you recommend taking on debt now to pursue an MBA while young and without a family or start a career and pursue an MBA in the coming years? Huge fan, love all you do. Keep it up for those who still love the country and the values it was founded on. Uh, my, my belief is that if you, are, if you are single and you are young and you can get a decent loan rate, then getting an MBA earlier is better. First of all, it's going to give you a leg up on everybody else who's trying to enter the job market. You just start off at a different place. And there is in-career somewhat of a path dependency. If you start off in your career as a as a grad level student, you're going to start at a higher pay and you're probably going to gain positions that are higher more quickly. Now, you could theoretically just stop a couple of years in, bump up to the MBA and then move on, but life sometimes gets in the way. So my feeling is sort of get as much out of the way as humanly possible. This was my wife's strategy, by the way, with medical school. When she decided to go to medical school, we didn't have kids yet. And my statement to her was, it's a long road. By the time you finish medical school and residency, our kids are going to be still very young. They're not even going to remember when you were in medical school. And that's true. By the time my wife finished medical school, which was in 2020, our oldest was six. So she barely remembers mommy being in residency. And so that that's, yeah, get, you know, getting past this sort of stuff, I think, is, is a good thing. Susan says, Ben, there was a recent BRICS meeting in South Africa this week. Is the formation of BRICS Communist China's first step in invading Taiwan? Could it be the Communist China hopes to use BRICS to sidestep the West economic sanctions if China invades Taiwan? How do you see it? Well, I mean, clearly, China is building all sorts of contingency plans in case they're cut off from the world economy. Now, the reality is that even Russia hasn't been totally cut off from the world economy. They've been cut off from Western economies, but they haven't been cut off from China. They haven't been cut off from India. China would hope that the contingency plans that it makes if it invades Taiwan are going to offset, at least to a certain extent, the economic downturn that will happen when they do, because the West will cut them off. The United States will cut them off. Europe will cut them off. So, yeah, I mean, the, the fact that they're trying to create an alternative currency to the U.S. dollar, it doesn't vote. I mean, the, again, one of the reasons why the United States should not be racking up national debt the way that, that it racks up national debt is because we owe that money back to the people we hate. We owe that money in large part back to, like, Communist Party China. And not only that, Communist China holds our bonds. If they sell those bonds on the open market, guess what dips? If they start selling our debt, guess what our ability to raise new debt looks like? Not particularly amazing. So, 
I mean, we're, we're much stronger than China economically, but by far, it's not close. But could China do a serious damage? Absolutely. That's why they're attempting to build you know, other, other mechanisms outside of sort of Western economics. John says, hey, Ben, hope you're well. After hearing you discuss Trump's legal cases, along with Joe and Hunter's likely corruption, I'm wondering what you think a Republican president should actually do if they get elected in 2024. If Trump ends up getting convicted and a Republican president pardons him, it seems unlikely to me they would even then try to charge Biden for corruption, at least on a federal level, given how political that move would look. Even if Trump were pardoned in relation to the more bogus January 6th case, it would be difficult to make the case to the public Biden should be charged. In your view, is the choice between pardoning Trump and seeking a criminal charge for Biden a binary one? If so, which choice do you think Republicans would be better off making? That is a great question. Truly great. I haven't thought about it enough. Um, if if the choice is pardon Trump and don't prosecute the Biden family or leave Trump in prison and prosecute the, prosecute the Biden family, my feeling is that at this point, the biggest question is what, like Trump shouldn't be in prison on federal charges. He shouldn't. So the, the fate of Trump probably takes priority. You're probably right, by the way, that if you pardon Trump, it's going to be hard to prosecute the Bidens. For sure, because again, you're going to be prosecuting them on stuff you just pardoned Trump for allegedly violating, particularly in classified documents case. Uh, when, when it comes to you know, what would be good for the country, I mean, the Democrats have to understand that there will be consequences to the political prosecution of people. And that people, who act, if, if the rule is everybody gets, everybody does the crime, does the time, then going after Hunter and Joe Biden would actually be more important than pardoning Trump. The question is what you're trying to reestablish. What do you want the status quo to be? The status quo ante? in which basically you're in politics. The assumption is you're not going to get prosecuted by your political opposition. If you want to go back to status quo ante, then presumably you pardon Trump. And then the message sent to the Democratic Party is, listen, you can put our people in jail. We're going to pardon them. You could, and, and if we put your people in jail, you will pardon them. Or theoretically, you could go along with the Democrats and you could really clock them across the face of two by four and say, listen, here's the deal. If the question is pardoning Trump versus prosecuting the Bidens, it's now more important because of what you guys do. We don't trust you at all. We're going to prosecute Joe Biden. We're going to prosecute Hunter for RICO violations, by the way, because there is a much better case for the Biden family being a, an ongoing criminal enterprise to traffic foreign influence for money than there is for the, the Trump family. Like, no question, no question. In the, the amount of corruption and grift that the, the Biden family has been engaged in since like the 1980s is insane. It's truly crazy. And it is, in fact, an ongoing criminal enterprise designed to enrich the Biden family through effectively using Joe Biden's office for cash. And Zoe says, hey, Ben, can you wear a cowboy hat or any other hat for that matter? I'm referring to the yarmulke. At first, I thought you could just put whatever hat you want on top of it. Then I thought that seems kind of insulting to Judaism. That got me thinking, when can Jews take it off in public? Also, is it better for Orthodox Jews to wear a kippah instead of a hat? If you skydived out of a plane, could you take it off before you jumped? Again, it seems pretty sacrilegious to have to go flying off your head once you jump out. Are there any Jewish skydiving cowboys? So first of all, if there were, that'd be awesome. Second of all, um, so the yarmulke is actually a tradition. It is not what we would call law. It is not halakha. The only time that you are enjoined to cover your head is when you are saying a blessing. That would be like when you're eating or drinking typically or when you're praying, right? That, that, that's the times when you're supposed to cover your head. The, the reason that I cover my head consistently is as an identifiable marker of my Judaism and to remind me to keep God over me at all times, right? That's the idea of it. So I cover my head at all times. You can do it with a baseball cap. You can do it with a cowboy hat. You can do any of those things. I don't have to wear both a kippah and a cowboy hat. Now, the truth is, it fits very comfortably under a cowboy hat. But, um, you know, very often you're only wearing one or the other if you are a person who, for religious reasons, wishes to cover your head full time. Riley says, what happens if Trump is found guilty and Georgia and is jailed? Will the RNC have to appoint a new nominee if Trump wins the nomination? Nope. 
Not at all. Trump could run from jail. Absolutely. Now, the question arises to what the hell happens if he gets convicted. He's in Georgia prison and he wins. And what in the world happens at that point? So there's talk about could he could he essentially say that the federal law requires him to now be the president? He cannot be the president from jail. And so his jail time will have to be suspended. Could he say that? I don't I don't know. I mean, we are now in uncharted territory, like really, really uncharted territory. I just love the idea, just for imagistic reasons, of Donald Trump being sworn in in jail. Like, come on. The drama, the high drama of like Secret Service marching in and just protecting him around his cell as he signs multi-trillion dollar bills is kind of astonishing. Also, that would also mean that Shanks McGee down the hall, the guy who protects Trump and makes sure that nobody, you know, slaps his gruel to the floor, that guy will be Secretary of Defense. So just on a, on a, if you're rooting for humor, that's what you're rooting for. Obviously, I'm rooting for Trump not to be in jail because what's happening right now in Georgia is truly ridiculous. Aaron says, hey, Ben, the Chicago White Sox have finally parted ways with Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn. Jerry Reinsdorf has said he wants a singular leader in the front office. Who do you think that leader should be? Do you think Hambino should be the next manager? Would love to hear your thoughts. Hambino, of course, would be uh, A.J. Pierzynski. So would love it. Would love A.J. Pierzynski as coach. I think that'd be great. Bring back Ozzie Guillen, my favorite player and favorite coach of all time for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, who should they get in the front office? Uh, Theo Epstein. I mean, somebody who knows what the hell they're doing because that front office has been a disaster for a very long time, like a long time. Okay. Jeff says, hey, Ben, Kentucky has an extremely competitive governor's race. Do you think the Republican candidate Daniel Cameron will win? Republicans have a supermajority in the legislature, but Governor Andy Bashir is still popular. Also, do you believe race will play a factor because Daniel Cameron is black? I don't. I think that Daniel Cameron could easily win. Looking at the uh, polls right now in the Republican race, what you see is effectively a tie between Bashir and, uh, and Daniel Cameron. Now, Kentucky is a bizarre state. It's very Republican, but Kentucky also has voted blue in a, uh, in a wide variety of ways that are, that are kind of strange. So could that be a, a win for Republicans? It certainly could be. Uh, so, you know, I, it, is kind of, it is kind of shocking that Bashir ended up as the, as the governor. He really, really narrowly defeated Matt Bevin. Matt Bevin had been elected governor before that, and then he had bad approval ratings, and he had signed a pension reform bill for teachers and all the rest of this. So uh, would Daniel, I think Daniel Cameron has a good shot in that race. All righty, we've reached the end of this mailbag. So we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. Did you know that a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? At five weeks, it can be heard on ultrasound. In some cases, the heartbeat can be the baby's only defense in the womb, which is where Preborn steps in. Preborn rescues 200 babies every day from abortion simply by providing moms with free ultrasounds that allow her to hear her child's heartbeat and see their perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her thumb. Preborn needs our help to save these precious souls. For just 28 bucks, you could be the difference between the life or death of a baby. If you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures of the lives you helped to rescue. All gifts are tax deductible. 100% of your gift donation goes toward saving babies. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com slash Ben. That's preborn.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Preborn.com slash Ben. It's the best thing you're going to do today or maybe ever. Dial pound 250, say keyword baby. Start saving children today.